Welcome to the first ever episode of Beer and Bits with your host, Brandon Kressel. And Cole Stevens. Thank you guys for checking us out. We are two buds with a new set every episode talking about the current big gaming events that are happening this week. But first, before we get started into our gaming news, we have to talk about our sud of the week. Cole, what is our sud for the week? Sud for the week happens to be a High Wire Hop Circus Tropical White IPA. Yes, it is very smooth, very uh, citrusy. It has hints of pineapple and mango, along with some white grape and citrus notes. Um, it is very good, very easy drinking, and I am looking forward to this episode and diving into some high wire beer. Uh, high wire is based out of Asheville, North Carolina. If you ever get a chance to swing through Asheville, you need to check them out. Asheville is also a great place just to find any sort of craft beer um, of your choice. They have really good selections, and thanks to our own beer lounge, Gremlin Growlers, we are able to enjoy ourselves some high wire today. For sure. It's definitely a, a good sipping drink to sit down and you know just crack a cold one, have have a good time. And while we're sitting here cracking one, uh, what's some of the big stuff happening this week, Brandon? Have uh, heard any uh, big articles come out? Any uh, topics we want to weigh in on? Yeah. You know, I was looking through some things this morning, and man, like in the last 24 hours, it seems like some big news has dropped in the gaming world this week. Uh, first thing up is the fact that Microsoft and S Sony and Nintendo are all being investigated for their uh, online services and how easily it is for their customers to get out of the auto renewal of their of their online subscriptions. That is a it's quite a heavy thing to take in, especially if considering how they all work these days. I mean, it's not that hard to just sign up for these things in the first place. You know, you just put in information just to get a one-time deal, and you may just forget about it if you don't look at it in the next day or two, and by, by the time it all goes by. Yeah, you just add your credit card information, pay for it, get done with, or you get like the free week, yep. and then you forget to exit out or cancel the auto-renewal. It's a, it's a crazy world, like, especially with these big-name companies in the gaming industry, like, the, the top dogs, Sony, Microsoft, and Nintendo, like, it's not just the, you know, the publishers we're used to hearing about with these kind of practices, it's, it's the big name, it's the, it's the big dogs. Yeah, it's pretty, it's kind of exciting, because it's like, you know, I'm glad someone's keeping the big guys in check. For sure. It's the competition and markets of Authority who have launched an investigation uh, into their business practices. Um, basically, what they're going to be doing is seeing how easy it is for customers to cancel out um, of the auto renewal process or the rollover contracts um, because it's so easy to get caught up into them. Um, and I, like, t tell me something about like your experience. Like, have you had any issue? I know that you're a big PlayStation and Sony guy and, and PC gamers so like you know what's your experience been my own personal experience in this whole kind of fiasco is I've never tried to get out of the renewal process just because I knew that's what I wanted to purchase as a customer that when I got my PlayStation Plus subscription I, I would want to keep it because of the deals that they have going along with it like two free games every month but I can still definitely see for someone that 
say, wasn't committed to that or they just bought like a few months and they didn't think that that would renew into something. Say that wasn't a service they wanted to pay for, but they weren't told or like pointed a way to show that this is how you can get out of the process if you don't want it. Like it can, it it's a little underhanded. I mean, I, I've had no problems with the f- service myself, but I can I can still see the potential for what could be going on here. Yeah, dealing with Microsoft, like I wanted to get out of my my Xbox Live account because like I wasn't using it ever. Uh, I mean that that's why I'm a like I'm primarily a Switch gamer these days because like, I don't have time to sit down and play my console. But like so I was trying to get out of it, uh, and then like it was kind of difficult. It took me like 30, 45 minutes to try and figure out how to get out of my subscription because I know like, I have the uh, uh, EA All Access Pass or I did ha- have it. I'm so glad I've gotten rid of it, but like. I didn't realize that my time was coming up and it just renewed, got my uh, credit card statement like, oh, crap, that's, you know, chunk of money that I'm missing now. Um, how do I cancel that? And just like trying to find the like cancellation of su- subscriptions in my Microsoft account just was kind of a pain and kind of a hassle for me, myself. Uh, so I'm kind of hoping to like maybe this will help fix things and help get more upfront uh, and easier access but you know, on the Switch, like I feel like Nintendo's done a pretty great job of making their user, um, ba- like their AI, very user friendly mm-hmm. with the the Switch, because uh, it's really easy to get into that auto renewal uh, and cancel it. And they're pretty open about that. Like when you sign up for it, like you're like, hey, by the way, you have till this date to get out of it. And if you ever go to the eShop, like it's it's always there and up front the moment you click on, on your account, they remind you you have till so and so date to opt out. So I feel like they're they're really good. You know, Nintendo's kind of, you know, playing a bit more family friendly like they usually do. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, my experience with the eShop that I've had, whether buying games online or even getting my own uh, Nintendo Switch online for their services and online play. It, uh, it's a really straightforward process. Like whenever you're looking in the shop at games or stuff, like it, it lays it all out there for you like as you're looking at the purchase. But I have noticed with Sony in some cases on the PlayStation that that information is there, but you do have to like look for it. Like Nintendo lays it out for you. Like it is what you see at the purchase gate. But unless you go start clicking on another tab or two or you've already committed to like say putting it in your shopping cart or you have... You proceed to checkout. That's when they'll start to show you stuff. So, definitely props to Nintendo for the way that they handle their kind of like upfront like disclosure stuff. You know, it's it's a really transparent way to go about it. Yeah. By the way, the CMA like if you have had issues with this, like they want you to contact them and talk to them about it because um, they're trying to build a case just to to see is there really something there. Uh, or is this just how they feel about, you know, gaming? All right. Well, you know, moving on to our next topic here. Uh, Cole, tell us about it because I know that you and I have talked a lot about this company in the last few weeks ever since their new game j- just launched. Oh, this, yeah, it's uh, quite a juicy little topic here. It's the, uh, what was it, a day or two ago that Kotaku's Jason Schreier recently put out an article, kind of talked not really talking about like showing how Bioware as a company has developed Anthem and 
kind of the behind the scenes process of how that all worked with its seven years of development. It's quite shocking. Some of the stuff that he had pulled up that he was able to really kind of investigate and find out, like he's a great journalist and it boils down to the game was first in like pre-production and early concepts were circulating in 2012 and the game did not technically come out of pre-production until 2018. That is that is almost unacceptable to be in pre-production for that long. Wouldn't you wouldn't you say so? Like that's th- th- there's got to be some merit there. To... I mean, as a Nintendo guy, we've heard that like Pikmin Four has been ready since like 2012 or in de- like, in development since 2012. It's been seven years. We've yet to hear anything about Pikmin Four. Hmm. Well, still like. It, it was announced, though, like, it was, given the the thought of it be actually coming out that you know it's officially in development, Anthem wasn't officially announced until 2017. So, it was a very underground project, previously known as Project Dylan, to the studio and EA and everyone working on it, because they also didn't really have an idea of what the game was. Like, originally it wasn't designed to be a looter shooter, it was more of an RPG exploration kind of thing, like... The, uh, the javelin suit was supposed to be a kind of just a suit that you wore for the environment because it was you're on another planet like it's it was a it was a very general idea of just a, a concept but nothing was really fleshed out in like a game vision or direction for the majority of this whole time period because leadership for the studio and the game had been kind of being in and out of the picture like they went through several different uh game directors executive producers general managers for the studios like they all either took their leave and came back or they took their leave and left like it was it was quite a what's a what's a good word for that like there was a lot of turmoil involved controversy in, yeah that yeah that, that's a good one yeah, I Anthem has like had controversies circulating around ever since it launched, with just like becoming a game that they didn't think it was going to be. They didn't know what game that they were trying to design to start with, and now we have uh, the their GM Casey Hudson coming out and saying, "Hey, uh, well, not like publicly, but through an email to employees, that the work environment at Bioware itself like hasn't been the healthiest place to be." Mm-hmm. I mean, if you got multiple teams trying to work on one game, kind of like what Nintendo was trying to do with Metroid Prime Four, and how like that turned like like that turned, like they scrapped the entire game because like this is junk, like this isn't meeting our standards. Well, you know, you could say the same with uh, Anthem. Like they just didn't have a like a good team with good direction, um, or maybe just like a company that was just like coming down on them way too hard to create a new IP. And they're, I, they tossed it around for too long, and people left and came and left, and now we get what we have. And I mean, what do you do with, with that? Well, there's also other key points, too, like Bioware being under EA and EA being EA these days with their business practices. There are other studio dice that makes the Battlefield games and the more recently Battlefront 2 and the, orig- the other Star Wars Battlefront they use this engine called Frostbite. And that engine is a very specific engine. 
that was built around Battlefield initially, so it was very catered to a first-person shooter, didn't have a lot of other tools in its assets. Well, to save money on licensing other engines, EA has been mandating all their studios and all their games will be made under Frostbite Engine, which, okay, is not bad in itself, but when it's still in clearly inferior engine to other games that you're trying to make it just makes it extremely hard on the developers and so the support team that ea had for the engine because they were initiating all at once all their studios to use it they were putting that team and even pulled people from bioware to go work on its implementation for fifa because that is ea's money-making cow like the the support wasn't equal among its studios it was whoever makes the most money gets the most support Bioware didn't have that much support because of that team being pulled to FIFA and EA Sports and those other divisions. And so it was more not as experienced developers working with this engine that there needed to be for significant progress to be made or like to have the standards met for what was expected, you know? Yeah. And so that probably played, I, I would at least think that that played a huge factor in a lot of morale around the studio, like say, if you were tasked with doing something that you're you're not very proficient at, and someone has help, but they don't want to help you because you don't make the most money. Yeah, like it's it's just it's it's a bad time. It's a terrible time to be in some of the big game developers like EA, Activision. I mean, like there have been layoffs after layoffs it seems like so many people have lost jobs in the past few months due to not many expectations of game sales even though like the games have like sold extremely well just not to like a big enough point and they're like well we got to let uh shareholders know like we're trying to like redevelop our like system and who's doing what and how much money we can actually make like the less people you have under you the bigger profit you can make on big games like FIFA. So just like shrinking down teams, closing down smaller developers, which they purchase. I mean, like the gaming industry like needs to stop focusing on just like trying to get money and start focusing on the gamer and the experience they're offering. Yeah, it, it can honestly boil down to the old saying from, what was it, Field of Dreams, build it and they will come. Like, you make a good game, people will come and spend their money on it. You don't have to make just a crappy game that you can monetize to make better. Like, you don't have to create a problem and sell someone the solution. You make something great people love, and they will come in droves to it and give you and give you the money you want. Yeah. You may not get all the money in the world, but nobody needs all the money in the world. No. But like these companies that are just like behaving this way, you know, like okay, so like I'm not ashamed to be a Nintendo fanboy. I've got issues with games, not like I'm not like that kind of fanboy. But like when I look at Nintendo and the way that that they behave as a company as as a whole, like they set a standard that I feel like the rest of the gaming industry like needs to take a look at when they start making decisions about how they're they're going to do business and what matters nintendo believes that people and creators matter so like when they were in trouble and they're in trouble like every six to ten years it seems like they you know pulled their belt troops tight the ceo like the the higher-ups take a a cut 
so that way that they can keep people on and make sure that they're taken care of. And if the rest of the industry would just do that and let people create games to create games, like, man, we could do so much more. Speaking of creating games, you know, going on to the next thing. So, like, we're looking at game news and some things that have come up. Um, and we, Sony this week has changed some of, uh, what do you call that? Uh, not laws, rules, uh, maybe laws, I don't know. Anyway, Sony has changed their user agreement. There we go, user agreement. Uh, Terms and services. Yes. So to allow people to get refunded for pre-purchased games. And that is a big deal. Like that has the potential to shake the gaming industry as a whole. Mm-hmm. Like if, cause, uh, you know, we're looking at some, a, an article from gamesindustry.biz. By the way, great place to check out some like great news uh, on your own. If you want more, continue, you know, listening to us. <laughs> uh, cause we'll also talk about beer and you, everyone wants to know more about beer, right? Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> uh, no, but like, so Sony ha- has changed their user agreement to allow refunds on pre-orders of games. And what they, they lay out is that, you know, developers re- rely on pre-ordered game money to cushion if their game isn't good at start. And it's like, man, like, we've, like, we have experienced that for almost a year now of developers publishing games that are half-baked. And yet, like, people pre-purchase them because they're supposed to be this awesome thing. Then what they get is not that thing, but they can't do anything about to back out once, like, the day comes and the reviews start coming out and, like, crap is hitting the fan and you're stuck with a $60 game that you no longer want because, like, this is garbage. Like, this is not what you led me to believe I was purchasing. Or with some of these other big AAA games, like, you could even buy these, like, over $100 editions on these stores for like collector's editions and all this stuff. And when you realize that the game wasn't what you thought it was or what you were paying your money for, if say they scale back or they're not selling what they promised per se, it could almost be like a case of false advertising. And if you're not able to get your money back, then that's that's quite an issue. Yeah. So this is like a good thing. And hopefully like this continues because right now like Nintendo is in a battle in Germany still. I haven't seen if they knew about that, but Germany is suing Nintendo because they don't allow refunds on pre-ordered games. Um, so like this is a big deal. Like people are not happy with this kind of behavior from the, these companies because if you pre-order a game from like GameStop, if they still exist in another year, we'll <laughs> see. Um, right, you can go in and cancel it and get your money transfer to like a different game or just a different purchase altogether or even store credit yeah which is like that is a lot better than you know getting a game you don't want exactly like spend your money on what you want so if GameStop has better policy than our major like consoles and then we got some problems to iron some out major problems that need to be ironed out so hopefully this kind of like like this changes some of the practices and hopefully also like it encourages developers to like delay games to make them better because if they can't rely on that cushion to get them through to continued development of a poor developed game like maybe they'll like hey well we can't put this out there because we're not going to get 
money from this and it's going to die very quickly. Like, this is going to cost us rather than help us. Like it's better to delay a, a, a game to create great content. Completely agree. CD Projekt Red's the, a studio and publisher that's the shining example of that right now. The way that they're handling their new upcoming game, Cyberpunk 2077, they've said multiple times, like, it'll be here when it's ready. They still, they're still able to give their shareholders and let people know, like, a, a general window, like, the release is sometime in 2020 or 2021 on their, at least, projected at the moment. But there's still not an official release date, and if they need to extend that time, they will. If Also, in their most recent financial briefing... They've already kind of projected their uh, revenue to be lower than it has been recently. Why? Because they don't have any like games coming out right now. They're still all in development. They are working so hard as developers to make sure that we, as consumers, get the best game that we can possibly get for our money. They're not waiting to just ship it while it's broken and fix it later because people will just give money anyways. Like they are, they care about the craft that they're working with and they care about the consumer. So. If there's any example that these other publishers and companies can go by, I would say CD Projekt Red is a great place to start. Yeah, I mean, I look at Nintendo. Man, I am such a Nintendo fanboy. This is going <laughs> to be a terrible podcast. I'm sorry. It's just not a hey, Nintendo-specific hey, podcast. Everyone's got their preferences. That's true. But like looking at what, what they did with uh, Metroid Prime 4 back in sure. January, like they put out this like special video said hey like this game is not going how we want it to be it's not living up to our standards and it's like we're restarting from scratch with rare who made their original prime trilogy like so like if with a chance like this can be the game like it's supposed to be because there are some big expectations from fans for metroid prime 4 to be this incredibly awesome game especially now since like all right you scrapped it you restarted it could be 2021, 2022 by the time that we see Metroid Prime 4 now. Maybe even later, because they were already in development for Metroid Prime 4 for four years. And they start from scratch. Yep. But if they got good direction and good game, but again, the whole point, delay a delayed game is a better game. For sure. Take as much time as you need to make sure it's ready than instead of rushing it out the door and it being a broken mess. Yep. You'll, you'll get a lot more respect from gamers and consumers and you will be taken more seriously. Like, you will have that trust with your consumers. Yeah. So, Bethesda, if any one of you are listening, please do not rush Elder Scrolls 6 to fix your mess that is known as Fallout 76. Like, and take Elder Scrolls Blades. Oh, my goodness. Like, so many bad things coming from Bethesda. But that's, that is a different story for a different time. <laughs> All right, so hey, we're going into our wrap-up for the week. Uh, we're at that point. So, Cole, this is all you, man. This is what you've been telling me about this afternoon uh, with some of the things that Activision has pulled off. For sure. So, even in my early days of gaming, like back in school with some friends and even still now on occasion, I've always loved playing Call of Duty Zombies. It is like a staple of gaming for me, and... It being Call of Duty Zombies, it kind of entails that other forms of Call of Duty are part of it too, like multiplayer and what used to be the campaign, Rip the Campaign, but now Battle Royale and the newest Black Ops 4. Well, in the multiplayer and the Blackout, they have always had stat-tracking combat records. That being like saying how many 
kills you got with this one weapon or how much time you've played the game or what have you. It's just any stat that could be relevant that you would maybe want to know. And it's been a basic feature in all Call of Duties from back in the originals up to, what was it, like Advanced Warfare or something like that? But now with the past, I would say, three or four iterations of the game, it hasn't been a ready feature at launch. It's come in in different ways, but this time around, Activision has recently uh, launched a Call of Duty mobile app, which is basically exactly what it sounds like, Call of Duty on your phone. But it, it paves the way for more monetization other than what's already on the games, on your consoles, or whatever is your platform of playing. And Black Ops 4 came out in October of last year. It has been six months since it came out. And they mentioned the topic of the combat record one time in October when the game came out, saying that it would be in the game eventually. A basic feature from past Call of Duties is now no longer a basic feature anymore. Why? Because reasons. So, alongside this new mobile app, they have decided to put the combat record for Black Ops 4 in there. So if you want to track your stats in all three of the modes and see what it is, you have to go to the Call of Duty mobile app to see what your stats are to keep track of it. And it's just... I, I just don't know why. Like, why take a basic feature out to move to a mobile app and you claim it's convenience? Like, there's... There's no convenience to that. It's more inconvenience. Because if, if you're already on the game, that would be the place to check your records for that game. Not go to something else on your phone to take you out of that and then look at it. That's It's nice if you want to put them both together, then that's perfectly fine. But to intentionally separate them for the sake of putting more monetization in people's faces, that's just, that's just not good business practice. That is just extremely anti-consumer like it it does not paint a good picture for your business now it's time for the nintendo buzz with brandon get it cold buzz with a beer so, so, so funny <laughs> so funny <laughs> hey uh so like big like three things here uh, the first is that vr is coming to breath of the wild and super mario odyssey and a lot of things like i'm seeing on the forums and posts like is can this be an enjoyable experience? Like, is this this going to be d damaging for our eyes? And Cole, like, we had a conversation about VR before we started, because um, like, y you have to hold it up the entire time that you play. There's no strap. It's not like a, a goggle set. Like, it's part of this ToyCon kit. Uh, so like, it's going to be very interesting to see how this turns out. Is this something I kind of wish that I had some more money in my pocket to buy the, the ToyCon uh, VR kits just to experience it? Because I want to know if the seagull is going to poop in my face or not. And if, you, if, if you're listening and you don't know what I'm talking about, please just go watch any Nintendo trailer for their VR kit because it's pretty, it's pretty cool, quite honestly. Like, it's a cool move and a fun direction for a family-friendly uh, you know, toy. Yeah, it's definitely a different direction than other VR places have decided to go. Not many of them, you know, stick a goose on your face with their butt in your eyes. 
Uh, yes, because it's not PlayStation VR, which, you know, their state of play and where they showcased some of their VR stuff coming out was kind of disappointing. Uh, so, hey, you can't really be disappointed with Nintendo when they're not trying to compete with Oculus or PlayStation VR. So it'll be cool. Uh, we've gotten some new rumors in the past like week about two new Switch models coming this summer, uh, earliest by this summer. Change that. Uh, so that could be really exciting. Personally, I'm really hoping that they create a PlayStation, not PlayStation, sorry, Nintendo Switch like Pro version with some higher graphics, uh, some more power behind it, because who doesn't like things with more power? Uh, yeah, if that if the Switch can get up to 1080p handheld instead of it only in the dock position, that could be game-changing. And with the new generation of consoles right around the corner, it can kind of show where the whole industry as a whole is going. Like, Nintendo, having sold the Switch as well as it has... It can show precedence to where the future of console gaming is going. Like it won't always be just like uh, PlayStation's and Xboxes, home consoles everywhere. Like the line between handheld devices of the past, like Game Boys or DSs or or PSPs, like they're all. It's like blending together. It can. It has a lot of good capabilities and opportunities for the future of the industry. It does. Like, well, we are seeing like the 3DS is starting to to slowly die off, uh, whether Nintendo admits it or not yet. But like, they're not really producing games for the 3DS anymore. And if they are, like, Nintendo fans are upset it's not coming to Switch, because like the Switch is the new replacement. And they're saying that the Lite, like the Switch Lite version, would replace the the 3DS entirely. But the Switch itself has sol- has sold over 30 million units. Last time I checked, uh, the Xbox One sold 39 million units total together between the original, the S, and the X. So the Switch is playing pretty good in comparison to Microsoft, and they're on track to be able to compete with the PlayStation 4. Um, I would would definitely say so, especially with, like I said before, the next generation of consoles right around the corner. Like, the Switch is still enough of an upgrade to where if they say just took that pro step like the Xbox or the PlayStation has taken with their Pro and S and X and all that, if they launch that alongside earlier, like relatively close to the new consoles, it can be a fierce competitor because it puts all of them at a pretty equal starting line to see where the gaming population really wants to take their money. Yeah. So hey, I'm really hoping that these rumors are true. I really want a Switch Pro, uh, but that's because I love my Switch. I, if I can, if, if I have the option of playing a game uh, portably that I could play on my TV as well, like, I'm going to purchase that any day of the week over a game that I'm stuck with, too, with the console. But, you know, when you share a TV with your wife, uh, it gets a little bit more challenging to game uh, as much as you would like to on the TV, so... Thank you, Nintendo, for a great gift. And the last thing is we saw some possible leaks from Best Buy this week for the Switch. Metroid Prime Trilogy, uh, Persona 5 for the Switch, and Zelda Link to the Past. Now, whether or not those are reliable or, you know, they've 
uh, Best Buy themselves has heard, uh, you know, some rumors and they're saying like, hey, these are true. Why not just go ahead and create like a, a, a holding for them in our system? Uh, who knows? But it has been rumored and from good sources that the Metroid Prime trilogy, Me- Metroid Prime trilogy, sorry, uh, is coming and is on its way. Uh, and it's been ready for some time. They're just holding on to it uh, in preparation for Metroid Prime 4. So they've got to create a good time for that to come out. And Persona 5S, getting some new news from Atlas in a couple weeks. And hopefully we'll see if Persona 5 is coming to Switch. I personally think it is. It's been rumored for so long since they announced that Joker was coming to Smash. Like It doesn't make sense for Joker to come to Smash if there's not a game for it. Grand, there's Persona Q2 coming to the the 3DS, but still, like, we need a Persona game on the Switch for really that to make sense, in my opinion. I completely agree, and also with the recent announcement that Cuphead's coming to Switch, like some of these other games and big titles that are on different platforms making their way to Switch, with Persona already having, like you had said, Joker being established in Smash for its Fighter Pass. Having other Persona games on the Switch kind of seems standard at this point. Like, it's a, uh, it just seems logical. And since the studios and companies already have good working relationships in that regard, it would make it. It would just it just makes sense. Yeah, I did see it on Twitter. I think it was Monday, April Fool's Day. They asked like, who would you who would you like to see come to Smash and the Halo accounts retweeted back with Master Chief. <laughs> so that would be really cool. Uh, I would love to see Halo come to the Switch because Microsoft and Nintendo are playing ball t- together and it's really cool. Like they are, like they realize that it's no longer just about a console, it's about the games. And the games are their big things. Well, there's also too the Xbox Game Pass that's coming to Switch. Well, rumored, nothing solid yet. Well, the confirmation's there for basic parts of the service. Not necessarily the games, but say... Achievements. Yeah, achievements like... Friends. uh, Friends and... You know, everything but the games, basically. Like, it's it's almost like a... The mobile app on your phone to check your service on the console. So, it's a start. It's not a huge thing yet, but it definitely shows promise for what these two companies could do in the future. True, true. Well, that is all I've got for the Nintendo Buzz this week with Brandon. And I guess we'll uh, now start up the PlayStation pour with, with good old me, good old Cole. We're so punny. Yeah. This is painful. <laughs> uh, even though the state of play was not quite up to what everyone expected from it. It was trash. Yeah, it was. Uh there was still some interesting information to come out of the whole fiasco. More it being that The Last of Us 2 is going to be coming out in 2019. That is a huge deal from how successful the first Last of Us was and what that means to gamers nowadays. It is a, it's a massively anticipated title. There's a lot of expectations around it. And from the gameplay we've seen at E3 last year, at E3 2018... It looks like it's going to be an extremely good game. Also, on the line of exclusives, we got Days Gone coming out at the end of the month on the 26th, I believe. 
And it's a game that had been teased and shown off for three three years at this point, I think, at E3, and different PlayStation-related events. And the fact that it's now coming out the same year as The Last of Us, it's it's still showing that PlayStation is really trying to like finish off this console generation the way they started it, with very high-quality exclusives that people will remember for years. They're just pouring those exclusives on this PlayStation 4, aren't they? Yeah. That's about all I got for the PlayStation 4 right now. It's just the that PlayStation will continue to give us exclusives up until the end of the generation, and hopefully they'll keep it going into the new one, but it, uh, it, it looks like a very promising ending cycle to the uh, this generation of consoles. Yeah, it looks like that 2019 could be a slow year for PlayStation, as 2018 was a great year for them with uh, God of War, a lot of, like, awards <laughs> for their, their games. Uh, so, it, like, it kind of feels like we're going into a lull right before, like, the big show mm-hmm. with the next-gen consoles right around the, the corner. Yeah, PlayStation had also mentioned that they are not attending E3 this year. They will not have a presence at E3 2019. And That's as, insane. As, as insane and weird as it can be, it still makes sense in the terms of what they want to do. They're wanting to potentially have a big show for the announcement and reveal of the next console. And putting a lot of games towards that or holding off from this conference for the fact of they don't have a lot to show right now because they are still working on these upcoming games, it, it's fine. It's okay. It makes sense. And although it's a bummer to not see them at the, at the conference, it is uh, still appreciated to know that they don't want to just rush their games out the door like we had talked about with some other studios and producers uh, earlier in the, in the show. Well, hey guys, thank you for listening to our first ever episode of Beer and Bits. I really hope that you enjoyed it. Uh, we'll be back next week. Um, so, you know, catch us on the other side. I feel like my beer is done. I got some good game news this week, some fun things. Uh, so, yeah, thank you for listening, and I hope you'll, you'll be back. Hope to see you guys soon. It was a hoppy beer, and we're going to hop on out of here. Oh, that was awful. (laughs) I tried.